You are listening to a special mini episode of In Love With The Process. I'm your host, Mike Petchy. How are you guys? What's happening? What's new? Um, if you've been listening to the show, you know that mini episodes are smaller episodes that I uh, generally put aside to talk about equipment that I use, gear I support, um, get some of the sponsors to come on as guests to talk about their stuff. Um, and really the theme of this stuff are these episodes ultimately is that, uh, your equipment are tools. Um, we live, we've decided to be a part of a career that, um, is sort of a slave to gear. It's a slave to, uh, needing multiple people to do your art, which is, uh, very, specific to either photography or more importantly to filmmaking um and i think what happens when uh we're younger or if we have projects that are in development that take a long time it's very easy to get distracted by the toys it is very easy to become convinced that you need to have the latest and greatest technology in order to be worth anything in this field uh, and i am here to tell you that that's wrong <laughs> Anybody can buy stuff. Anybody can go out and buy the latest and greatest gear. Um, it's not going to get you more work. And ultimately, I say this all the time on the show, the only way to truly survive in the current marketplace, because it is absolutely insane right now, um, trying to charge the right amount of money, trying to get paid the right amount of money for these jobs, uh, looking at what I think is truly the result of the top one percentage. Um, clamping down and uh, not spending what they used to spend, not spending what we're worth on stuff, especially in the commercial world. And I have to do a whole series of episodes on that to sort of open your mind to and open your eyes to what I've seen as a commercial director working in the business for a long time, the incredible changes that are happening in the business um, and how things are moving uh, into very difficult territory for filmmakers that were hoping to just make uh, the money to live doing commercials and then do their films. Uh, it's very difficult. It's a very competitive world. It's always been a competitive world, but it is like trifold right now. Um, and so it's the only way to survive it. Honestly, the only way to stay in business is to keep your overhead really low. Uh, that is my first tip to anybody out there that is getting in. A lot of young filmmakers, keep your overhead down. Uh, there's no reason to go and spend uh, thousands of dollars every month to have that swank office space with pinball machines in it. That is a waste of money. Your clients half the time aren't even going to come down to your office. So don't even do that. Um, and if you are going to buy equipment and you are going to get gear, be smart about it. Pick up pieces of equipment that you're going to use all the time. Pick up pieces of equipment that will cost you too much money to do your personal projects with if you have to either rent them or borrow them from other people. Be very clever about what it is that you purchase. And like I've said on other episodes, make friends with your rental houses. Make friends with local rental houses so that you can go in there and get your hands on this gear that you so desperately need without having to purchase it outright. Now, one of the things that we all need as filmmakers and I highly suggest that if you're uh, training to be a director if you want to be a director learn about editing editing is where it all comes together that is where a movie happens that is where uh, you take all the raw ingredients it's like cooking in a kitchen you take all those raw ingredients all that prep 
you show up and you start to put it together. That's the edit. You're making that dish. You're prepping that dish. You're uh, choosing how the flavors are going to work with each other. You're choosing how it's going to look. Um, it's important, integral part of being a filmmaker. And it is so useful, so important to be someone that can edit or understand editing. Uh, years ago, I, I trained myself on how to do it. Uh, and I'm so happy that I did because... I can now edit everything I do myself, and when I am too on the project becomes too big, or if uh, a client wants their editors to work on it, or if it's just worked out that way where I can't physically sit down and do it myself, I know everything that needs to be done. I know how to communicate to an editor. I know what it's like to be that person working as an editor for a client. Um, so it's very important. That being said, that means that you need to have some sort of editing system, some sort of uh, uh, software-based uh, computer at your house, at your whatever studio you have, to be able to mess around and play around with it. The good news is, is that a lot of these uh, software platforms have become very affordable. So I edit everything I do. I, I work primarily in the Adobe Creative Suite with everything I do. So whether it's photography work, I'm doing Photoshop, um, I have used Lightroom in the past. I like, you know what? I like Capture One. Capture One's really great. I actually like Capture One more than I like Lightroom for photography stuff. Uh, as you can tell, I'm not sponsored by either of those guys right now. Um, and uh, I use Premiere for, for cutting. So, you know, everything that you've seen, whether it's 12KM or Who's There or the latest Dale Strong piece, all that stuff has been cut in Premiere. And uh, I know that when I've had to hire out or I've worked on commercials where they've hired out a post-production company, majority of those guys are also using Premiere. I know there are a few places that still use Avid, but I've never had to touch it. I've never even bothered with it. Um, so the cool thing is, is that the Adobe Creative Suite uh, subscription package isn't that bad. I think it's like 50 bucks a month or something. It's not that bad to do. Um, and then you can get your hands on the actual program to cut the stuff. Now, it's all about hardware, right? It's all about how fast your, prog your program can run. It's all about how fast that playback is going to be, whether it lags, how many, um, how many tracks of video can you run, um, all these different things. And for quite some time, I've talked about this before, uh, I started and the only way to be a pro was to own Mac stuff. And uh, Mac Pro, MacBook Pro stuff, or uh, Mac Towers, and you're editing on that. They are fucking super expensive. They've always been really expensive. And you feel like what you're doing is you're basically paying in installments. I think I even got a credit card to get my laptop from them. I think they were giving out credit cards. So you, I found myself constantly in debt to those guys, whether it was with my laptop or whether it was with my old towers or even with my fucking phone. I was just seemed to be paying consistently to them. Um, and it was a few years ago uh, and I've talked about this before on the show, when uh, they released certain software updates that rendered my hardware useless, that I was fed up, I was done with it, and there needed to be a better way. And that is when I did the hunt for PCs. I went back to PCs. Because uh, when I was younger, I used to build PCs for gaming purposes. You know, total little nerd, used to have LAN parties, bring people over, build super beefy PCs. So you would play old games like Alien vs. Predator um, and uh, Quake. Um, Unreal. So all that kind of stuff was a lot of fun to do back in the day. So I did learn a thing or two about how to build um, 
PCs, and I learned about networking and that whole thing, which was great. It's a very valuable thing to know. Um, but when I was in the market for a new computer, I was at the time working at our company and running a post-production or working with a post-production house, and I didn't want to become tech support. I want to make movies. I'm not a tech support guy. So I didn't want to have to be tech support for all the editors that were using the machines that we had. Um, and so I had to find a place that would build solid PCs that had uh, what they said would be uh, the good, good enough uh, customer support equivalent to like AppleCare. You know, even though I never used AppleCare, you pay a fucking ass load of money for it. I never used it. Um, so I did that search, I did that long, hard search, and you guys have heard this before on the show. That's how I came to find Puget Systems, and Puget Systems builds amazing uh, custom-built PCs, affordable custom-built PCs that do amazing things with high, high-end video, 4K, real-time 4K video edit machines that I still use today. I cut everything I do on them. Um, and so for me, when I set out to look for that computer, it was about finding the tool that fit my needs. I didn't want to fit in someone else's box. I didn't want to be told what I had to buy to be a filmmaker. And so I sought out and found these guys. Um, and that's what today's episode is going to be about. I'm going back and visiting with my good friends over at Puget Systems. I'm talking with the owner of Puget Systems, uh, Mr. John Bach, who I've never had on the show before. Um, I've met him once or twice. Uh, I think I met him in Vegas at NAB. Uh, really cool dude. Guy in charge of everything over there. Um, supports the hell out of the show. Uh, and he wanted to sort of come on the show and talk a little bit more com- about computers, which I'm totally down for. And I know a lot of you have been asking me about edit systems and what edit systems to use. And we're about to get hit up with some brand new hardware that's coming out on the market. I know Mac is finally changing their tune. Apple's changing their tune and going from like, you buy the trash can or go fuck yourself to, hey, look, we're building this brand new, completely customizable tower. It's so funny how they flipped completely around now and they're doing this. But I've heard rumors on what the cost for this thing is and it's ridiculous. Once again, it just seems like Everybody wants to have you either subscribing to stuff or constantly in debt to them. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. When you start in this business, you're going to get paid low rates when you get started. You're going to be doing stuff uh, for free, practically, uh, just to get that experience, just to get that time in. And it's the same thing with editing. Uh, Good luck trying to get a decent edit rate when you first start. So if you have... A system that cost you, I don't know how, you convinced your parents to buy you a system that cost like $25,000, kiss that money goodbye. By the time you even get to paying that off, uh, there'll be some new piece of hardware on the market. So the trick here is to build something that works with all of the new codecs, works with what you need, um, but is affordable and keeps your overhead down so that you can pay that system off quickly. So that way, when you're charging clients for you know, studio fees or service fees, you're actually making that money. It isn't just going to pay off your system. You know what I mean? Um, so hopefully, uh, we'll get John to talk a little bit about that today. We'll talk about his, his origins, like why does a guy decide that he wants to build custom computers? Um, I, I have never talked to the dude. So I'm, I'm fascinated to see if he's a nerd about it or not. Um, he's got to be. I wonder if he was like a gaming nerd. We'll find out. We'll find out on the show today. Um, 
So uh, this is, I'm going to say this right off the bat, Puget Systems is a sponsor for the show. Um, when I do mini episodes, I don't do uh, ad reads. You don't have to sit through other ad reads. It's going to get straight to the point. Um, and the only reason why I'm having these guys on is that I truly, honestly believe in their product. I use it every day. Um, and I think you might learn a thing or two about it. And like I said, a lot of you have been asking me, what do you cut on? How do you do it? How do you find this affordable stuff? Um, so that's what today's show is about. This mini episode, rather, is all about that. So uh, you know the deal. Uh, find a comfortable spot to hang out, sit down. Maybe uh, we can go through the internet and uh, look at computers together. Uh, and then we'll try to show you guys how to save some loot uh, on today's episode. So sit back, relax, enjoy the new mini episode of In Love With The Process. Hey, John, thanks for being on the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I was saying before we uh, started rolling, it's uh, awesome to finally have the man on the show, like have you on the show. I've talked to everybody else. Oh, man. Okay. High expectations here. <laughs> um, but I was doing a little, um, like uh, before the show, I was sort of talking a bit about uh, my uh, reason for doing what these are called mini episodes, which basically go into the gear that I like to use, the stuff that uh, I like to uh, stand behind as far as equipment's concerned. And one of my big things that I talk about on the show is that uh, you shouldn't be a slave to your equipment. Your equipment is basically a tool for you as an artist. Yes, absolutely. Um, And so what I'd love to do is sort of talk to you a bit about um, what you got, like how you got into building computers. I really want to get into uh, sort of your your oh, okay. philosophy behind it, um, and then just play it by play it loose, man. You know what I mean? Like um, everybody knows how much I love Puget. You guys are sponsors of the show. I talk about it all the time. So this really isn't an ad. I really want to know more about John. I want to know who you are. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Sure. I mean, so yeah, you want me to start with like why I got into this in the first. Well, how'd place? you get into? So were you like uh, were you like a computer nerd and playing video games when you were a kid? Like how'd you get into computers? Yeah, yeah, I was a computer nerd. I mean, so I, I think like a lot of people here at Puget, like that's how we got our start is uh, we had kind of an aptitude for technology. And when you're that guy, then, you know, your circle of friends and family all start coming to you with computer questions. <laughs> um, at, the, at the time, I was working for uh, my uncle's printing company. And uh, quick printing at the time was going through a transformation from analog to digital. Uh-huh. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I was, I was the guy that happened to know computer stuff. So they put me in a room with a bunch of you know, old copy machines and computers and said, here, make all this stuff work. <laughs> and uh, it was, it was, you know, it was fun. I, I, I had to learn as I, as I went. And um, that's what, that's how I got started uh, was, uh, yeah, I just happened to be the, the guy that, the, the little kid that, that knew about computers. <laughs> well, I was kind of that way too. I, I had a lot of friends that were uh, the computer nerds. And then I got into it because, uh, you know, this was back in the days when we would build our own PCs uh, for gaming and we'd have like LAN nights and stuff like that and local area network gaming setups and mm. stuff, which was a lot of fun. Um, but, you know, I when I was yeah. younger, 
when I was younger, I used to be a mechanic. So I used to work on cars and airplanes and stuff. And so I really liked the idea of like that hands-on aspect that PCs gave me uh, when I was a kid. Um, but like I said before, like as I progressed and I got into the filmmaking, I just didn't have time to build them anymore. And then like sort of beta testing hardware and trying to figure out what is the latest and greatest hardware and how does it all work. It becomes like a full-time job at that point. So, um, yeah, it does. But, but you still have that background of, um, I mean, what you appreciated about getting that hands on time is, um, I, I love your philosophy of, you know, this is a tool to get a job done. It's there to serve you. And one of the things you get by building your own is like you get to build the tool that best accomplishes that goal. You had that full control. You could do anything you wanted. And, you know, when, you, when you're younger and have more time, like the, the time cost of doing that isn't that big a deal <laughs> yeah. uh, it, up against the, the rewards you get for doing that. And then as you progress along and you realize that like, okay, I, I need to specialize. I need to focus my time and hone in on, on a certain aspect of, of what I do with my life. And then like let go of of the rest of those things to partners that have that same mindset. I think that's why we've we've worked out so well. Uh, the partnership we have with you is, you know, we get it that we're we're a we're a cog in the wheel of this machine that produces great content, uh, great movies and and shorts and things. And we know that we have to play that role properly, or else the job doesn't get done. Yeah, um, yeah no, totally. And, yeah. and th- I mean, that's why it's been exciting for me because you guys are as as passionate about building computers as I am about scaring the crap out of people. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Which is cool, man. So, all right. So then you were, you were, uh, basically the young tech support, uh, kind of dude. And then how did you get into, you know, basically running your own company? Like how did that progression happen? Yeah. I, I think that pretty early on when I got into providing computers, even the first experiences I had with computers, um, at, at the printing company, um, showed me that there was so much better jobs that could be done. I mean, the bar is so low in the technology industry. Everyone wants to just kind of make cheap crap and then sell it to you and then leave you hanging. Um, And and so um, at the time, like when I first got started with Puget Systems, um, it was when AMD was rising to be like performance competitive against Mm -hmm. Intel. And it was a really interesting time to to join the industry because, you know, it was me going up against HP and Dell selling these like big, expensive behemoth Intel machines. And I could come in and say like, well, I can get the same job done with an AMD box and it's going to be a lot less expensive. It'll still be specialized to you. And I was able to have kind of a competitive advantage that you really need to get started as a as a new small business uh, by by telling that sort of sort of story, mm-hmm. um, and you know as time went on, um, Intel and, and AMD have traded blows a number of times in terms of who who um, has performance leadership. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, I, I got started kind of being again a, a scrappy smaller company. But I think because of when I joined the industry, it was it was kind of nice that we got our start by saying, hey, it doesn't actually matter what's in the machine. It just has to get that that job done. And so, hey, here we can come in and build a machine uh, with different options by bringing in more choice and either able to get more performance for you or able to get you more performance for the dollar, at least, uh, by providing those options. Yeah. And it, and really, that, that's kind of stuck with us ever since. That's awesome, man, because that's a fascinating uh, aspect of building computers. And, and honestly, being someone that needs to buy computers is sort of filtering through that that marketing scheme of oh, yeah. like, you know, the flashy boxing, unboxing experience kind of stuff where it's like, we're the biggest, we're the best. Um, and uh, one thing that actually was really revealed to me when I was down at your space earlier this year, when we built the um, 
the After Effects machine, and we were benchmark testing mm -hmm. faster After Effects stuff. Um, and the guys were talking to the dudes over at Adobe, and it turns out like that the latest and greatest new hardware on the market isn't actually faster than some of the older pieces. Right. Um, yeah. And and that sort of goes against that whole mindset of a manufacturer who's like sell the new product. We got a warehouse full of these things. Get it out there. Get it out there. Get it out there. Um, and what's interesting about you guys is that you guys are essentially building machines from other manufacturers' products. It's not like you guys are making specific products that you have to get out. You know what I mean? Like you guys aren't manufacturing like yes. uh, CPUs or memory sticks or any of that shit. You guys are actually sorting through what's out there and trying to figure out what works best, right? Yeah. Well, I, and the nice thing is uh, when the mission of your company is to fulfill, like there's, there's work that has to be done out there and that's not that's not changing. You know, that work has to, has to happen. And so we don't, when we don't pin our business model on having to, to like hawk more CPUs mm -hmm. on you, uh, but instead we make our business model revolve around, are we accomplishing the goal of our users? Then it gives us that freedom, you know, of if, if the job is don't sell you a computer, we have the freedom of, of, of being able to do that or to say, you know, whatever option is, is best for you for your specific use case. Yeah, it's, it's really nice to not have um, kind of, um, oh, I don't know, like ulterior motives yeah, in, the, um, in the process. Like the stress of a warehouse full of shit. You know what I mean? Like the, sure. Like that's, yeah. I mean, when you start to deal with some of these, the competitors and you start to deal with uh, like the apples and all those folks, they're manufacturing this stuff. They're actually making a lot of this stuff. And so... They, it's to their benefit to market this stuff and to make it pretty and to turn it into sort of this lifestyle thing that you're purchasing into and, and ultimately becoming indebted to. And one of the issues that, yeah. that we run into as filmmakers and photographers and all that is that our industry is going through a lot of changes right now where uh, the clients, like the places that you could rely in the past, rely on income from and income that could support you as far as career is concerned to be able to pay for your home and pay for your stuff, those are disappearing now and budgets are plummeting and, and all that stuff is happening real time. Um, and so to be indebted to older systems, like back when uh, HD first came out and they were doing the big integration of HD through broadcast and they were swapping from standard definition to high definition. And then uh, the FCC or whoever it was, was, was saying that everybody had to become HD compliant there was a huge push um, to buy all this stuff. And they went out and they bought, a lot of people in our business went out and they bought like the newest, latest and greatest pieces of hardware that were hundreds and thousands of dollars worth of shit, only to find out that it became useless like six months later. Um, and mm. so I think that was the first time in our business that people suddenly went, oh, oh, wait a minute, I, I can't really trust what they're saying. Like we have to be smart and we have to be savvy about how we're spending our money. And it's just, and, and that was at least 15, 20 years ago. So it's still, it's still coming down that way. You know what I mean? Where it's getting worse, where people are sort of sitting there going like, how do I, uh, how do I charge a client to use this thing? Cause they're not even going to pay me for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I imagine it's, it's a similar, like what we see in the tech industry and I won't name any names, but it's pretty rampant is, um, I mean, there's so many manufacturers that, they have a solution in search of a problem. Like they went out and they engineered some, it might be like brilliant engineering, some like brilliant new product, um, but it does, they, they're actually struggling to find like, well, how can we actually use this in the real world? Like what can we actually do with this? And it's, it's 
mind-boggling sometimes. Like, well, why didn't we start with what are the problems out there and then engineer it, like put all that like awesome brain power behind engineering sol- solutions to problems that exist. <laughs> um, but, but that step, that step is always missing. And so, and when it, when it is missing, well, now we have like some brand new CPU or some brand new you know, piece of hardware. And the question is like, well, what do we do with it now? Uh, they're actually, and sometimes the answer is like, we can't find a use case. And, and that's a lot of the work that we end up doing at Puget because we're trying to save people from like, like even with the move to HD, like there's people that there's a new standard that comes out and everyone thinks like, well, I have to be on that yeah. because it's new. Yeah. But unless, unless it actually brings a new value to your product as, as a, as a you know creator, well then do you, do you really need to be on that, on that wave? Right. Right. I mean, and then, and then. What is, I mean, we've become such a consumer populace at this point, like generation after generation, just sort of exposed to marketing, and that becomes sort of our safety net. And almost like a sense of self-gratification, where you're sort of sitting there going, like, I can't figure out how to make a good movie right now, I don't really have any clients, what am I going to turn to? Let me turn to the trades. And you're sort of flipping through the trades, you go to NAB and you visit these spots, and they're like, brand new, 8K camera. Mm-hmm. And you're like, fuck, if I, if mm-hmm. I buy that, then, oh, my, maybe then I'll finally get the clients. Maybe then I'll be that person. And you're sitting there going, yeah, but most of the clients that are going to hire us are having us do things that are still going to be screened on an iPhone. So why are you shooting that 8K? <laughs> like, why, mm-hmm. why do you do that? And then, and then if you go and you buy that brand new camera, then your whole post system changes. And then your timeline changes. Right. And people just don't take right. that into consideration where it's like, maybe it isn't about being up on the latest, greatest piece of, of technology only hunt that technology down when your story requires it. Yes, absolutely. That, that whole process may, may be perfectly valid and needed, but you have to determine that at the beginning. Don't go through the process for the sake of the process. It's, it's, it's a means to accomplish a goal. For sure. So, um, so now that you've got your, you've, how long have you uh, been running Puget? How long have you guys been around now? I started Puget uh, coming up on 19 years ago. Wow, now. dude. That's awesome. And you guys are doing great. So that's fantastic, man. That's fantastic. Yeah. Thanks. And, and uh, have you guys always been in Washington? Like you guys just have that one office out in Washington, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our, our entire organization is, is right here in Seattle. Uh, so everyone's under one roof. And that's been really great, too, from, uh, I mean, I guess like a, a culture mindset, but also our ability to, you know, I don't know, just not be not be a faceless company. Like we were able to run it like a, like a family here. Um, everyone knows each other. If there's like a question that comes up in our support process, well, I'll just walk out and talk to the guy that put the computer together. Like we can, <laughs> yeah. we don't have to be, you know, um, bureaucratic with things because we're, we're small and all right. I here. know. I love that about you guys. There's something really great about it. And, and I had felt that when I first got systems with you guys and, and we were talking on the phone and I was talking to uh, like Eric and all those folks over there. And then, uh, when I went and visited your place, it was like, wow, you guys really are just all hands on deck over there, which I thought was really cool. Um, and it was just one. What's that? Well, I was gonna, and, and you've been a, been a big part of that, actually. Um, we really appreciate the partnership we and the, and the relationship we've had with you over the years. Because, I mean, go back, fast forward, maybe, or rewind six years ago. Um, I mean, we've always been, we, we're, I mean, we're a workstation provider, and we focus on providing workstations for, like, specific use cases. Like, the, again, like you've said, the, the workstation is a tool. It's there to get a job done, unless we understand that job. Like we can't even hope to build the right workstation, and and so we've always been on this on this journey towards like more purpose built workstations, and that journey led us to you, mm-hmm. um, and it's been um, 
and it's been a great process. Like this whole, you know, we have a lot of messaging here internally of like a workstation as a tool to get a job done. And really, you you played a really big part in opening our eyes to that. I'll never forget um, the very first NAB we did. And we were, you know, we were showcasing at, um, at, at the booth. And we were talking tech specs to people. Um, and you, you, you stopped us and you said like, look, 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 stop talking about specs. Let me show you a timeline <laughs> and show the timeline because that's what matters. And boy, you know, there was, that was like an aha moment for us where we said, man, yeah, the whole computer industry, like all of our lives, you know, cause we started off as tech, tech nerds, yeah. all of our lives, we've been talking about gigahertz and megahertz and you know, all that stuff. And who cares? Mm-hmm. Like that, that's that's not what matters, um, and so that was awesome. Like you opened our eyes to that. Is like not only does that need to be our mission, but that needs to be our like that needs to be our language, um, and we need to be use case first um, rather than like just use case aware. Um, that that was huge for us. So thank you for for uh, for your role in kind of helping us along that. Well, journey. I mean, it was cool because taking it from the perspective of a lot of the listeners right now that are editors and that are filmmakers when you're dealing with larger systems and you're dealing with larger companies, you feel helpless. And what ends up happening is, is you promise a lot. So you promise a lot to a client. A client will come to you and you go through the whole bidding process and they make you bid three times they, and they, you have to like underbid and you come under and you go, I'll just save money in post-production. I'll take a cut on post. And that always happens. Like you're always never charging enough for your time because editing is monotonous. Editing is like a modern... A form of torture. <laughs> like it is completely monotonous. Like uh, you're basically mm-hmm. burning these random, sometimes incoherent messages into your memory banks, into your brain. It's straight torture, and you're usually in, locked in an edit room to reach a deadline for 15, 16 hours straight. Um, and that's just to do the job. That's just to do the task of sorting through hundreds of hours of footage like if you're doing a documentary if you're doing something big like that you're just sorting through this footage and you're trying to organize this footage and there are all these like micro steps involved and people that come in like your assistants and people that are binning and people that are putting projects together people that are logging stuff so it it becomes this process and any sort of kink in that chain like if if your editor is sick and he doesn't show up or if yeah. uh, something happens in real life, like the power goes out, anything that's in there just throws it all off. Because anytime you're dealing with a client, it's almost like they like to treat it like someone's on a table, their chest is open, and we're waiting for that heart to transplant to come save this guy's life. That's how they do every job. Mm-hmm. And so your anxiety levels are pretty high. So when you're in that like final hour and you have your massive timeline, everything's mastered, you brought everything back in, and you're just rendering. And then that's usually when you'll get the, the, the colored pinwheel or a crash or something will happen. Mm. And then it seems like the most, I know editors that just will break down into, into tears when that happens because it seems like the most yeah. unfair thing that could possibly happen to anybody at that moment. And then you feel so alone with larger companies because then it's like, oh, cool, let me go on their website and text them. And then yeah, wait, wait right. three days. When, when, when the reality of the situation in our world, there's someone on the table with their chest open waiting for the heart. And, and yeah. that's yeah. what we're trying to deal with. And the larger that this industry got, as far as like uh, nonlinear video editing goes, 
the the more people that are in it, the, the less about customer service everything becomes where it feels like they don't want to be directly in touch with the client because they know that the clients are always going to be calling them with that sense of anxiety. Um, it just, it felt terrible. And so for me, when I was with a larger, uh, company with my edit systems and we were having those problems multiple times, uh, I'm just there doing tech support and literally trying to figure out how to use whatever knowledge I had as a kid building PCs in this whole other operating system in this whole other world in an operating system that is specifically crafted to keep me out of everything in order to make sure that it runs the right way. And I'm desperately trying to figure out how to show hidden folders to find an autosave file because the thing crashed. It's a, it's a nightmare. And then what you end up doing is you end up having to resort to like the creative cow threads or like these nerd threads that are online and they're all elitist. So you ask the wrong question and they're like, Oh, you don't know the keyboard shortcut to this? I'm not even going to talk to you. And you're like, oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, this rant is coming to a purpose. It was really nice to finally get with you guys because you guys, I could literally talk to people over there. Yeah. Yeah. That rant was awesome, by the way. <laughs> that, those, are the, those are the stories that really get us fired up here to, to, hear, to hear those things. And I love that analogy. Like, there's somebody open on the table right now. Yeah. And you, know, you, want to, you want to talk to me in your calm voice about, like, trying to reboot oh, your computer. Uh, you know? No way. Um, one of the things, uh, um, and then that's frustrating on our side, too. Like, when we, don't, when we don't understand that there's somebody open on the table right now, mm-hmm then all it feels like on the IT side is like, oh, well, we have a really angry guy on the phone, you know? And, and so it's really important that you build, that we build into our organization, like that we hear those, those rants and we have you know, over and over again um, because it helps us, you know, put into context, like, okay, who cares why it happened? Like we don't, this is, that is not the time or the place. Like what we need to do right now is get that machine back up. Exactly. And running. Exactly. Um, I, I have to be, I have to be careful. I'm not, not like to open over promise about this, but I want to tell a story about this, uh, this cool feature that we have. I'm really proud of, proud of this built into our company. Okay. Uh, we have a fund called an, an above and beyond fund. And, and the purpose of this is to remove obstacles to finding solutions. And really all it is, is um, an Amazon account that we have loaded up with gift cards, like up the wazoo. Um, and everyone in the company has a login, um, has access into this Amazon account. And the, there's like, there's no rules. Um, all it is is, hey, if there's a piece of hardware that you need, like there is no red tape, there's no approval process, there's no nothing, buy it, overnight ship it out to, to the customer. And so we're constantly sending out like, oh, you got your new computer and you don't have the right display port cable? Like, oh, now you have one. Or, mm-hmm. um, hey, your, your, your uh, networking went out, like you actually had a failed network chip on your motherboard. Like, yes, we need to get that repaired. But in the meantime, we're going to ship you a USB one because you need to be up now. Um, and that's a really cool, like really rewarding thing to be able to offer. But it's like, it's also a little selfish because, boy, the, like the... Um, um, satisfaction we get and the, uh, the gratification we get enabled you know there's nothing more frustrating than like there's a problem we're trying to solve but there's some stupid piece of red tape in the way that's not not allowing us to do that yeah. um 
So that's, that's cool. I mean, it, and it allows like, so when somebody calls up and has, has that rant, like we can do more than just like be sympathetic. Like we can, we can take action. Oh my God. And being able to take that kind of action literally puts you in the family. Like, like if you're that person that does that response and is able to fix and solve that problem at that moment. Oh my God, dude. That's one of the reasons why I love you guys so much is that you guys have that um, ability to fix it. Like you guys have fixed stuff for us. Um, and, been really quick about it and and in this crazy landscape of uh software updates and consistent like subscription software updates and then does that still work with the hardware like it's a nightmare man uh like literally right now on my phone i have been telling it please 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 do not update the software and it is hounding me like it's tr- like it's like it's trying to serve me divorce papers. You know what I mean? Like it's like right, right. Me. I yeah. know what you're doing. I want to continue to use this phone. I don't feel like dropping twelve hundred dollars on a new phone right now. Stop it. Um, but it must be really frustrating for right. you guys because you guys are trying to build systems that are reliable, and then you're dealing with all these software updates all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we prefer to call it job security, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a it's a never-ending battle, and there's some days where it feels like, oh man, are we ever gonna to lick this? Because whether it's uh, you know Windows updates or you know what what's more common these days is there'll be absolutely fabulous new products that launch, and they've been tested like crazy against games. Running, run, playing games or things like that, but professional mm-hmm. workloads, like it's staggering actually sometimes what actually makes it to market and like nobody thought to render a video on this. <laughs> um, it's a fantastic product for rendering video. Uh, so a lot of times, I mean, that's that's just, we've, we've just embraced, like that's the role we fill. Um, there's, there's products that come out like we don't bother running all the same benchmarks and, and stress tests as the rest of the industry. Uh, we go straight to the throat of all of the the software titles that we're experts in. We test that, and boy, it's probably it's a high percentage of the time that we have to end up going back to the manufacturer and saying we found an issue, and then we work with their engineering team to to get it worked out and fixed. And then you know a couple of days later, you'll see a BIOS or firmware update post on their website. Well, that was us. We played we played a part in that. <laughs> Um, and yeah, it's just a never ending cycle and anytime software updates or anytime hardware updates, we have to go through all that, that merrier ground all over again. And that's basically all the time. Like we just have to have a team of people that that's what they do all of the time. Um, because we, we really don't want to wait for the support phone calls to come in to, to like learn that there's some, some issue. Uh, so we, yeah, we have to, we have to do that type that testing ahead of time as well. Well, the other thing, you know, talking to the other guys and hanging out with Matt and everybody else over there, like, um, they, you guys like to share your findings too. It isn't like you're just, you know, like, hey, we we have all this knowledge, so you have to come pay us to get all this knowledge. Like, you guys do a lot of online sharing yeah. and stuff, and really support. We do, that, we know? do. Um, I think that's important. Yeah, and you know, I mean. Uh- it is. Well, and it's important for a couple of reasons. I mean, first of all, we just want to help the community. And we know, like, I don't know, what, what percentage size are we in the computer market? 0.01% of the computer market? Like, we know we're tiny. Uh, and, and that's that's why we, we love to be a smaller company, a personal company. But unfortunately, that means that as we're not going to move the needle with any like hardware manufacturer with like how many computers we sell, like we're just a blip on the radar. Mm -hmm. So we have a bigger stick. We have a bigger stick. We wield like in addition to helping the community, 
we are also a more like we carry more weight with the recommendations that we have because we're a public voice, because we're a thought leader and we're so involved in those communities. And so because of that aspect we have, we actually can affect more change in the industry. And that's ultimately in the technology industry. Ultimately, that's our goal is like we want to make the technology industry a better tool for the job. Uh, with our influence because the the blessing and the curse on the pc side if you're looking at like mac versus pc Mm -hmm. mac is great in that it's like a locked ecosystem which means they're able to like you know vet stuff if somebody is having a problem there's probably you know ten thousand other people having that exact same problem and there's a lot of weight there's a lot of um importance that they carry by having that closed ecosystem it also means that they can't they're often not you know competitive the on the pc side there's a multitude of choice and, you know, that's the big benefit on the PC side. Like you can get more performance for the dollar and you can have anything you want. <laughs> the downside is you can have anything you want. And like, so now what do you want? Um, and, and so, you know, it's so scattered and fragmented and there's so much like decision paralysis. Like, what should I get um, that we have to play the role of like being the curator mm-hmm. of the whole big PC industry to turn it back into, I want to say like a kind of a more Apple-like experience. It, it, it's more like we're going to take from all this choice, pick the best stuff and turn it into this curated uh, curated list of, of, you know, stuff that, you know, we can either affect change on to be make into a better tool or we can keep tabs on to make sure that it stays up and running as hardware and software updates. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting when you think about, (laughs) if you think about the computer market, sort of like the landscape of the walking dead TV show, Mac is like one of those completely closed in walled in towns that you have to go and like basically cut your arm off to be a part of that town. And, um, I mean, the products run really well because they are so controlled and they control like who they're partnering with and they control the amount of uh, access that you as the user has into it so that because they don't trust us for anything. So we'll screw up everything. So it's like, (sighs) don't let them have access to any of this stuff. Um, But the problem with that ultimately comes down to price and then money and then what you're paying for and are you paying for the computer and you're getting a good deal on that hardware are you paying for the lifestyle and are you paying for the advertising and you're paying for all this stuff like uh, it's it's actually pretty relevant right now because they're about to drop in fall they're about to drop their their new uh macbook pro towers which is which seems to be a direct response to what we've been talking about for the past what three four years on how they just basically gave us all the middle finger and what we don't really care about you guys. And I think that they've seen the, the turnaround where most of our industry has been like, what's it matter? It doesn't matter if I'm on a Mac, I can be on a PC. I'm using Adobe creative suite, which runs on them both. So what difference does it make? And as far as the operating systems are concerned, they're, they're both folder based operating systems. So what, what does it matter? Um, And I think they lost like a huge part of their market uh, because of that trash can, um, a system that they put out years ago. Um, mm-hmm. But the new thing, and I was just looking at it earlier today, I mean, they promise a lot from it, but it looks like it's going to cost a fortune when this thing comes out on the market right now. Yeah. You, you yeah. know, without, you know, without advertising for them too much, but it's pretty expensive. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. you know, looking at that and understanding what individual pieces of hardware cost and understanding that, like, I can have a sweet computer in a standard case and I don't need all that weird aluminum steel cut machined one piece put wheels on the bottom of it case thing. Like, is, is that worth 
a grand. Like their new their new monitors that they're coming out, the stand is a thousand dollars for it. Yeah, yeah. Well, because I think you know, again, what you're paying for there is you're paying for like you don't want to have figure it out and you don't want to have to like, what, what happens if you buy a PC and you buy the wrong thing? Like you're just out thousands of dollars. Right. Um, and for what? And so you, you have the benefit of like, you know that you're getting a, you know, appropriate tool for the job, but that's going to cost you. Um, and the, the, what we're, what, what we're trying to do here is to kind of like be both of those things. Like you, you have that like freedom from the PC side, but you also have the, I guess it's still free, the freedom of knowing that you're not going to go off the rails. Mm-hmm. Like those, the, the guardrails are still in place, so you know it's going to be the right tool for the job, but you don't have to pay that, that expensive tax to get it. Dude, thank God you guys exist, honestly. I mean, no bullshit. Thank God you guys exist, because when, when I was doing that search years ago before I found you, it was mostly gaming companies. And when you talk to these folks, they were kind of kind of into it. Where yeah. they're like, hey, how about having some LED, like, you know, Fast and Furious case? And you're like, I don't care about that. I literally just want to have a machine that's yeah. going to run really well. Um, and then if it wasn't for companies like you guys, it would be hopeless. Because then at that point, it's, it's sort of like that post-apocalyptic, you know, militant state lifestyle where it's like, here's my card and give me the system I, you know, that I'm supposed to work on. <laughs> and... Right. That's depressing. And it's not on the level of me just being greedy. I wish it was me being greedy. I wish I was sitting here going, well, I want a Beamer, so I don't want to spend that money on the computer. I'm going to buy a new car. This is just for survival. This is literally to make rent. Um, it, it, to have such a low overhead is such an important part of being an independent filmmaker because the, the gear doesn't last long enough for you to pay it off. Yeah. You know? So then you're completely indebted to all this stuff and and the software companies finally smarted they really got smart with the subscription services because there was so much piracy going around with adobe right. products and everything else but now it's like you know uh, adobe creative suite's like 50 50 bucks a month something like that so like and that's just for the creative suite so by the time you get through just the subscriptions alone you're you're it's a it's pretty, I, I was doing my taxes and I, I spent over four grand in subscriptions a year for stuff and it's like my god dude you know and at being like just an indie guy that starts to add up you know what i mean yeah no totally and, I, and i've heard you say in the past too that um yeah the your your whole industry is also kind of like an arms race like whoever can deliver the fastest yep. um and, and so because of that like when you make the choice you know do i do i want to invest in this tool that's like crazy expensive but and because of that it has to last eight years um, or do you go for like a more nimble approach? They're like, no, I'm going to buy the best tool for today, knowing that I, I have to upgrade this thing in three years in order to stay on that front end of the curve. So, I mean, price, it isn't just about, you know, being frugal or being greedy. It's, it's about, um, you know, those dollars have to go as, as far as possible. Mm-hmm. And then it's ultimately about whether or not it does exactly what it is that you need it to do. Because whenever I cut stuff, Whenever I work on movies and stuff, it's not clean for me. It's not like I just shoot everything. Like I go out and I get a red and I'm like, oh, cool. So my project is just going to be comprised of red footage. Like my like 12KM was like red. It was Alexa. It was uh, it was uh, mini. It was uh, DSLR. It was uh, strange, weird ProRes codecs. Like it was a mix stills, raw stills. Like my timeline was a bit of everything, not to mention getting into the audio aspect of stuff and all the different codecs for audio. Um, 
And that's kind of how I work. I'm not one of those guys who has been trained as a professional editor, i.e. like there's a system and a formula and everything has to be transcoded and everything's got to be perfect. I see editing more like a collage setup where like give yeah. me all these pieces, let me throw it down on the table and let me move them around and see if there's something great here. And if there is something great here, then I'll work backwards from that and then sort of design it out that way. So when I first start doing my projects, they tend to be really messy. Um, and then I have to go back and sort of organize them and put them together the right way. But I find that if I start to organize, if my brain is in that organizational mode, which is a completely different mode than creative, then the stuff I make is boring. So like mm. for me, I have to be very sort of, cooking in the kitchen kind of mode where emotionally I'm with it and I need the technology to keep up with me emotionally, especially when you're cutting because everything comes down to frames. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like cutting like five frames off of a reaction shot or deciding when I cut to the, when the guy longingly looks at the woman, when I cut to her looking at him and how long she looks at him affects everything about the story and when you're hunting for that in the edit, you're just, you're looking for it. So you're like five frames, click, play, play, five, six frames, play, play, play. And you're trying to do yeah. it real time. And when the machine lags and it destroys that moment, then you get pulled out and you get frustrated. And then you, you yeah. have rage problems and you start breaking chairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's been something that has been a great realization for us in the last couple of years as well, as how, how important that like the performance during the editing process is yeah. like, you could even make an argument that like, it doesn't even matter so much how long that final render no. takes because who, you know, who cares? You're going to start it. You're going to go home. Yeah. Um, but you know, if it doesn't keep up, it's all those little micro, you know, all those like seconds it steals from your life in the process. And it isn't just the time. I mean, it is the time, but it's also like your state of mind. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you get distracted, you get upset, um, you you lose motivation, whatever it does. Like the, that, that's probably the bigger impact on your project than than your your final render time. I like to say it this way: it's like going to the movies and someone sitting next to you doesn't mute their phone. Yeah, and the phone goes off, and you're just you're yes. pulled right the fuck out, and and that kills you when you're in the edit process because you're. It's not like you're trying to see something that someone else has already made. You're looking for, for that thing. And that thing is such a spark of inspiration when you... Movies are the simplest thing. It's essentially pictures that are cut up next to each other. So you have a wide shot, a close-up, and a close-up. And you take those three pictures and you, and you cut between them. And if you're clever about how you do it, cutting between them gives you an emotion, like an emotional response. Um, and... The problem is, is that you have to do a lot of that technically now. Like back when I was trained on how to cut, I used to cut on Steenbeck, which was old 16 millimeter uh, work print that you would run through these reels that would project light through in a little screen. You run them through, find the, the exact place that you want to cut, literally pull the film, throw it on a splicer, add a cut, and then tape the next one to it. That's how I, I learned how to edit. And it was a whole different thing. And really the only technical... Yeah. Thing that would get in your way is maybe if the mechanics of the bed didn't work but those things ran like german tanks those things were consistent um but maybe that or you'd run out of some tape or maybe you lost a clip that fell underneath the, the thing like physically the film fell underneath the bin somewhere 
Um, but that was the extent of it. And then when we started to get into computers, you started to introduce all these other elements that could get in between you, whether it's crashes or operating system failures or software updates or the hard drives aren't running fast enough. You know what I mean? So like su- suddenly... Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Do you, do you, do you miss that, those, those times? Ah, sometimes. You know, the thing that was really cool about them was... Uh, it was so organic as far as like tangibility. So I'm physically holding on to a frame from the movie. So in my hands, I can hold it up to a light and physically see that photograph there, which was really cool. Um, And then because it's, (laughs) because it's such a pain in the ass to do cuts and actually it's a bigger pain in the ass to go back off of a cut. So let's say that you're doing an edit and you take a, 20 frames from this shot and you find the perfect 10 frames from this shot and then you paste it in the middle there, right? And so then you run that and it works perfect for that moment. And you're editing and you're editing and you come back two days later and an edit that you did maybe five, 10, 15 minutes later has now affected the pacing of that scene. So you have to go back and re-edit that that section because now it no longer works with what you've done 10, 15 minutes Mm -hmm. down the line from here. So you would have to go back to your RAWs, to your bin, and find that original footage and untape it and retape it back together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, So, I mean, the tools, the tools are definitely better, but I I love your your statement of, like, how many layers of crap are between you and your work? Yeah, totally, dude. All the way down to simple shit, like, your monitor's failing. Or, like... Like suddenly, uh, you know, you're shooting with a codec that it promised to play back in real time and it's not playing back in real time. Or you just did a bad job of like assigning your, 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 uh, your cache or your working hard drive and suddenly your, your internal hard drive is too full to play it back. And you're just like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. And it's not like an error message will show up and go, here's exactly what the problem is. You'll get some rando error mar- message and then you have to break away from your editing and then desperately google search like what is like error zero 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 dash x what does this what does this fucking thing mean yeah and then you're then you're deep uh 45 minutes to two hours deep into troubleshooting whatever that problem was and dude this is mac or pc and like you know that whole old myth that uh macs never give you a hard time you're not working them hard enough like if it's not if it's not crashing on you you're not working the damn thing hard enough um, and so I don't know, whatever. There's, there's another, there's another yeah. rant. <laughs> uh, well, then you get to the end of your day and you're like, what did I even do today? Uh, right. Yeah. Right. And then you're downloading codecs or you're trying to figure out, um, uh, firmware updates for graphics cards. And I think this might fix the problem. And then you install some sort yeah. of, oh, what a mess. And then you install that and then something else is triggered. And it's like, oh, I need the newest version of this fucking thing. And you're like, God damn it. And then you forget what you were cutting. Yeah. 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 What was I even doing in the first exactly, place? Exactly, dude. Exactly. Yeah. That's the misery. Well, I love, I love what you said too about a collage. Um, I thought that's just a, a good way of putting it. Uh, I think that the tech industry is so good at making like one dimensional products. It's like, okay, I, you say like, well, I need a, a pointy stick. And, and the tech industry says like, we're going to make the sharpest stick you've ever seen. And it's going to be really good for that. Um, and, and some, some people ask us like, well, you know, you're just like publishing, you know, all the work you do testing for like performance and specific applications. And you're just publishing it. Like anyone can just copy your work and like, well, yeah, but, but, 
really like nobody does one dimensional work. You know, we're providing all these benchmarking results for like how to make the perfect computer for one specific thing, but like nobody does that. Everyone has their collage and has all these different things that they do. And, you know, boy, if you, if you were to tell like the, all the customer service people in our company that like, you have to understand all of that work, all of that collage, and you have to know everything about technology so you know what lines up to the best, you know, be the best tool for each different job. Yep. Like, no way. Our, our brains are not capable of that. And so we're able to arm them with, here's all the testing that, you know, Matt and William and Don, that they're doing in labs to, to profile that hardware. But still, you know, it's still a Hercules task for our customer service folks to be like, okay, they know all the results. They have like the cheat sheet, but they still have to understand the collage all the various work that happens and then build a tool that's like best for all of that. Cause sometimes that's not even possible yeah. to have a tool that's good for color grading and audio work. Um, and so, you know, we have to know what those Venn diagrams look like and like, what can we build a machine for that's good for X, Y, and Z, but then we have to take, take a totally different route for, for another, for another part of your workflow. Like that's a huge job in and of itself. Yeah. And I think that just comes down to the consumer being smart about understanding what it is that they're purchasing and understanding that there isn't necessarily like one tool that fits everything. Like there's a lot of, there's yeah. a lot of promises that are made where it's like, this is the only thing yeah. you need. And you're like, mm, is it though? Like, am, right. am I gonna, <laughs> am I gonna try to cut a steak with a spoon? Like, no, like there's, there's, you need multiple tools to eat a meal. You need multiple tools to do anything. It, for me, it goes back to old mechanic work stuff where you're sort of sitting, you're yeah. sitting there. Yeah. You get a car in and there's an there's like some sort of weird um, uh, computer error on the car and you have to go back and, and it'll tell you some random thing like, hey, it might be this. It might be the oxygen sensor. It might be this thing. And, and you literally are just backpedaling and troubleshooting. And the thing I like about dealing with you guys is that I've had some errors in the past or I've had some lags and I've, I've contacted you guys and you guys are like, yeah, we've heard about that. This is what this looks like. And this is what this looks like. So essentially you guys are a more official uh, and paid version of what I wanted from those threads online. On Creative yeah, Cow, yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. You guys are more official on it, which is fantastic. And I don't have to deal with some snarky nerd who's upset that I don't know the keyboard shortcuts. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, there's there's a comment that comes up over and over again that we're like really proud of when a customer says, you know, thanks for helping me. You didn't make me feel stupid. <laughs> um, because like, that's not, I don't know. It makes me, I don't know, upset sometimes when like, why should we expect you to know the keyboard shortcut for whatever? Like, that's, that's what we do. That's not what you do. So who are we to be all high and mighty about that? And I think ultimately it comes back down to uh, I'm going to say something controversial here. I think it ultimately it comes back down to in our business why you're in the business. And if you are a storyteller first, and that's what you're in here for, you're in here to tell stories, you're in yeah. here to affect people, you're in here to uh, take an emotion that you've experienced in real life and somehow take two or three images, cut them together and put a music cue underneath it and have someone else feel that same emotional thing based on, on nothing based on ones and zeros that are captured on a computer, that's, if you're in it for that reason, that's why you should be in it. There's a lot of folks that forget or lose sight of that, or, or some people controversially that just don't have the skill for that, that are still in this business, that get lost in the technique. They get lost in 
here's the, the lenses that I use and here's this and I'm, I'm going to keep all those close to my vest. I'm not going to share any of that stuff because that's what defines me. That's what, that's yeah. what makes me that money or they think that's what makes them that money. And if you're relying on that um, to do so, you're going to be outdated quickly and you're going to be yeah. uh, replaced by something newer and probably replaced by a piece of machinery that's going to do it based on algorithms at this point. Right, yeah. You know, if your job is being a robot, then you know what, there's, there's going to be a faster robot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. That's all. I love that thought. Um, I, I'm a I'm a trumpet player, and uh, we have that in in the music. I don't know, not business, the music world as well. Um, you know, there's there's some trumpet players where you know they'll you have to have this mouthpiece and you have to have this horn and you know all these gadgets and things that they have and like, but they're missing the result. Like, what's it sound like? What kind of music? What kind of music did you make? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it's a, and it's awesome to me when I see these like awesome musicians uh, on the street playing on some piece of crap horn, but they're making awesome music, and I, I love seeing that. Well, because the tools can help you, yes. but the tools don't get you yes. there. And then when you're actually making, like if I, if I unpack something and I put it together really well, like if I buy some new piece of equipment or if I do it and I, I, I assemble it, I get like a certain type of gratification. It's usually like, hey, I've completed this task and look at this thing that I've done. Right. But I also feel that way about, controversially, I also feel that way about video games. Where if I sit and I play certain video games and I, I go through the preconceived set of rules that has been set up by a designer. They're like, you go and you gather all this stuff and they've made them at this point where it's like, you think that you're actually doing something. So you're actually going through and you're mm -hmm. like, I have this sense of accomplishment. But if I finish a video game, I feel empty afterwards. It's not like I'm like, mm -hmm. I changed the world or I've made anything, I've done anything. But if you're playing music, if you're making movies, if you're cooking a meal, if you're making something, that sense of accomplishment is is more than just, hey, I, I put this together. It's like the process of making it itself gives you that warm sense of discovery. It's opening up new channels in your brain. Like it's euphoric. Being yeah. in that yeah. state of creation is euphoric. And ultimately that's why I love to do it because when, you, when you're finally in that mode, you're just like, Nothing else matters right now. Like literally lightning is coming out of my fingertips. Like I have, I've somehow harnessed emotion and I'm just a conduit for this emotion. And let's drag this out as far as I possibly can before I pass out exhausted. <laughs> All right. You yeah. know, I, I, I think that should be the goal. Like that's the reason, I mean, for me at least, and my perspective of the whole thing and you know, who gives a shit ultimately what I think, but I think that's why to do it. You know what I mean? Well, I think it's important too that you don't you don't get so wrapped up in like your world that you don't see who you're serving. And I love that like on your I follow you on Instagram, and I I love when you post like people that have contacted you. Like it's clear that you spend a lot of time and energy on like the, the people you're 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 making this you know making this content for. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, I think otherwise you just get kind of you're in this echo chamber and you just it becomes more about the process than it does about the result. It's this weird, delicate balance that you have to have because um, you have to make things for yourself first. Like that that's the real motivation. You have to sit there and go, all right, look, I'm inspired by this thing. I feel like the world needs to know about whatever it is. So I'm going to make it. Um, and then you go through this really miserable, miserable process, at least with films, of getting it made. And convincing mm -hmm. people somehow 
I wish that there was something that you guys could build that would plug into the back of my head and I could just feed it into investors' minds and that they can look at it and go, oh, right, you know exactly what you're talking about. Here's all this money that you need. Uh, like most of the time, it's like I'm, I'm trying to take an HD or, or 8K image that's in my brain and convince people with cave paintings <laughs> like what it's going to look like. <laughs> um, but I think it's also important to understand that ultimately why are you making it? Like you said, who's your audience? Who are you doing it for? Um, because then I know where I'm going to get my satisfaction from. I think understanding that uh, I'm making this for a certain uh, group of human beings and I really know what their responses are going to be. So how do I tweak those responses? How do I make that experience different for them? Understanding what they are expecting, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, it also helps put borders around Uh, an idea because I think if you don't understand like hey this is going to end up on an iPhone then you're sitting there like this is we should shoot this fucking IMAX you know what I mean and you're going all off the rails and you're completely lost and you're like well wait a minute there there's a set of rules around this project so play within that sandbox and you can still do really great things in that sandbox but play within that sandbox and I think that's relevant to what you guys are doing too like understanding who your customers are understanding what our issues are what our plight is like like being in the space like your guys coming and hanging out on the set of who's there was like really eye-opening for them because they got to see Mm -hmm. what you know what war is like (laughs) yeah 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 Um, you know and i think it's important i think i you know i i give you guys a lot of credit for actually giving a shit about that you know because it makes you a better company yeah no that makes sense i mean and and being out there is what like that's what feeds our our care. If you're not if you're not out there, I don't know. Then you just you it, you can't have that empathy. So you you have to see it. So we appreciate that you open your doors to us for that. That's that's nice. Well, thanks, man. You guys have been amazing to to, to me. Um, well, all right. So where are we at? Oh wow, Jesus, we're almost at an hour. Uh, time flies when we're just talking about fun shit, huh? um so is there anything that you wanted to because you have the floor here man is there anything that you wanted to talk about that i haven't really talked about before or something new that's coming on or something new that you guys are working on or anything well it's just a really exciting time in the industry overall from like if you're a tech nerd you're totally geeking out right now uh new products all over the place new faster hardware you have amd coming up and being a real contender um from a technology standpoint as well and so i don't know it's like it's a it's also a very like chaotic time there's you have choice on the pc side and boy is there choice like there's so many different options right now uh so i know matt's just pulling his hair out with all the different hardware that he has to go through um and test but it's also exciting um so i guess you know it'd just be that you know if if uh, you're out there and and feel overwhelmed by by everything that's going on then like join the club uh, um and we'd love to to talk to you um, ultimately the way that we work is like, I don't want to just put up a product on a website and say like, figure out which one is best for you. Uh, we, we actually struggle even sometimes with like, should we even have discrete products? Um, because really what it comes down to is like, just call us, have, uh, give us a call, have a conversation and let's figure out together, uh, what the right tool is for your job. Cause what we found a lot of times is there's, it's really hard to find two people that work this, two people that work the same way identically. Um, and so because of that, when we make a tool for the job, we have to customize it for that person. Yeah. I think it's smart that you guys do have like some baseline choices to start because we live in a culture right now where everybody is 
very used to just swiping on their phone and going, okay, what does this look like? What does this look like? Yeah. Um, so I think there, I think some folks might be intimidated, especially in a current culture right now, on getting on the phone and yeah. talking to somebody. Um, so it's, I think it's nice that you guys have that starting point where it's like, okay, here's a baseline based upon the software that you use. Here's what right now we think that you should work with. But I think that advertising and promoting, like then talk to us, like literally then, yes. then tell us yeah. what it is that you're doing. Um, because we can, that's what makes us different than the big boys. We can actually sit there and custom build this stuff with you to work for your budget, but also work for whatever it, you need this specific tool. You know, so we're going to help you build that tool. Um, and I think that that's yeah. the strength that you guys have. It's like I, I kind of equate it to like microbrews in the big beer companies. Like you guys are like a microbrew where it's like, yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, you're on the you're on the base level. And, and, and what do I drink all microbrews because the big boys like and I've worked for some of the big boys recently without dropping names and, and just to listen to how their marketing schemes work. And it's like, well, you know, we, we timed out how many seconds are in every one of the soccer games and we uh, are putting that amount of fluid. We timed how long it takes to drink a certain amount of fluid ounces. And so we're designing bottles oh, specifically so that people will get thirsty before commercials happen. And you're like, ah, <laughs> just make, that's insane. Just, wow. Just make beer. That's all it takes. Yeah. You just make beer. And then you talk to like, uh, Michael, brew guys and it's just like hey man we love hops we love like mixing things up we love putting these together we got really cool graphics it's great tasty beer and you're like yes that's why i'm here give me a good right give me a good tasty beer man yeah um, yeah no it makes total sense yeah and i see you guys as a microbrew like you guys are are killing it um i know all the folks that i talk to and i send you away are super happy super excited um and then you guys are going to be so like I said, there's going to be a big push in our industry right now uh, from Apple, from Mac, to really sort mm -hmm, of push mm -hmm. this new product that's coming out in the marketplace. Um, are you guys going to be – it's not like you're building stuff that's competitive with that, but you guys can still do machines at their level, right? Like, Oh, yeah. Know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, the, the, I mean it's all the same hardware, yeah. right? Um, so from from a pure technology standpoint, yeah, we have identical uh, hardware, um, and so it's more about like knowing knowing that product, so we can know we can have like an informed discussion because there are going to be times, yeah, you know, based on you and what you're doing and who you are, the Mac may be the right choice for you, but like we just want to have that conversation. Cool. Um, okay. We're, we're we're buying one. <laughs> cool. I mean, we have to. <laughs> yeah, curious to see how it all works out, man. Um, well, cool, John. I think we've hit about the hour mark here. I think this is a good spot to sort of wrap it up. Is, uh, is there anything else that you wanted to chat about? No, I don't think so. Uh, it's been great in talking to you. I, I always love, I always come away from our conversations feeling even more fired up for the work that we do. Uh, that's, that's, that's your magic. That's, that's awesome. Well, dude, and I'm going to say this again. I really appreciate your guys' support. You guys have been such an important part of my career over the past few years, like uh, between your help on who's there, between your constant uh, support on this show. Um, and I just love hanging out with all your dudes. Like we have such a great time when we hang out. Um, so I really appreciate it, man. And it means a lot. Like you guys are not only a company that has provided me with stuff that works really well and helps me make my art, but you guys have become like a really important part of my creative family. So I appreciate that. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Let's let's keep it going. All right, John. Well, thanks for being on the show, my friend. 
so that's today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I learned a lot of new things about John, and uh, I'm pretty excited about the new stuff that's coming out in the market right now. Um, I've had my machine now for mm, three years, two, three years. I'll probably have it for at least another year before I have to start doing the upgrade process, but it's good to know what options are out there. Um, and I'm now at the point where I'm making money on it. So it's really great to have that. Um, so stick around. Uh, there are some full episodes on the way. Um, we're going to keep you up to date on our uh, Boston to uh, Los Angeles trip travel. So that's coming out. Um, I've got a bunch of other really great uh, artists that are going to be on the show. And as always, please go support us. I'm super excited that... Uh, our viewership on Instagram has been going up, going through the roof, actually, which is great. Um, you can follow the show at In Love With The Process POD, In Love With The Process Pod uh, on Instagram, or you can follow me at Mike Petchy on Instagram. Both those places are spots that you can write to me. So if you want a specific mini episode on a specific piece of gear or a specific type of gear, send me a note. Let me know what you guys want to hear, um, and we'll, we'll talk to those folks on the show. And uh, yeah, man, like I really appreciate all your support. Go to inlovewiththeprocess.com. If you want to support the show, you can donate. Uh, there's a $10 donation button there. Um, or you can sign up for the Audible trial. So it's Audible trial backslash in love with the process. And everybody that hasn't already done so, uh, that goes and signs up for that 30-day free trial, they get a free book. They get 30 days for free on Audible. And we get loot. So that's the best way to donate to the show. Easiest way to donate to the show. Um, so, yeah, go check that out. And that's about it. I want to keep from uh, rambling too much at the back end of this. So thanks for listening to the this new mini episode of In Love With The Process. And we will see you next week. Thanks. Bye.